0: morning everybody. I am Glenn McGeek from Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Karen Chapman from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 10th, episode 1101. Good morning, Horse World.
3: When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an Don't endurance let rider.
4: Me let me ride through the wide open country that I love.
0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on Horses in the Morning. We appreciate you being here with us every single day. And, of course, Karen is back today because it's the second Tuesday of the month. And that means it's Endurance Day. I have to congratulate you, Karen, and all of your endurance listeners because uh, you were the number one episode last month on Horses in the Morning. So congratulations. Yay. All right. Is it because the endurance riders don't have anything to do in January? Was that That could be, they need something to do (laughs) when they get up. (laughs) Now, endurance riders technically should be our largest listening audience because who has more time on the trail while riding to listen to our shows than endurance riders?
2: Exactly. Or all the work that we do getting ready so we can ride. Right, exactly.
0: Exactly. There's no excuse, right? No excuse. And with our app now... You guys can you can just download the shows to your phone, and you don't even have to have cell reception. You can listen. I know that's cool. So easy and simple to do, you know. And uh, I'm I'm way behind. I listen to about twenty different podcasts a week, uh, some tech ones and some uh, some podcasts about podcasting actually. And uh, I get behind, <laughs> so I'm behind too. I understand, and we, we I know mm. some listeners get behind sometimes, and then they have to do marathons to catch up.
2: Well, I am behind because I haven't been able to
0: clean up um,
2: my horse's poop for a couple of days because of this storm that we just had that came through. We had winds that were like over 90 and 100
0: miles an hour.
2: Wow. I
0: want to talk but to you about that because because Karen's now doing the show from Ocala. She blew here uh, like the <laughs> Wicked Witch of the East. And she's here now uh, in the studio because she just blew in. But let's find out from Jennifer what is coming up on today's show first.
3: On today's Endurance with Karen Chatton episode, following Karen's usual, unusual adventure stories update, we'll be joined by trainer Matthew Coates for a scrutiny of spooking horses. And then rounding out the show, Patty Stedman takes on endurance clinics.
0: So stay tuned for the very folks. Well, and, uh, you know, Karen, it usually takes you about, what, uh, 13, 14 hours to do 100 miles? With that wind, you could have just put your arms out and done it in about 10 minutes. You'd have, <laughs> <laughs> you'd have been over the could. mountain I into know. Denver. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Boy, it is wicked. You posted some pictures. I, you you Normally, you can't post pictures of wind that you can actually make any sense of, right? Uh right. But you actually posted pictures of wind that it made it look windy. <laughs> right,
2: because it was blowing so much dust and sand you couldn't even see you know the house next door at times and i i also did one short video of my horse i put blankets on him to protect them from the debris and and fly masks because the stuff was i mean people were losing roof shingles fences were coming apart um anything that wasn't secured um that was out in anybody's yards, it was gone i mean it was i mean it's like you said it's in Florida now um so it but my horses were having a hard time just standing in the, with their butts to the wind and of course they won't come anywhere near the barn when it's like that and so That's, i did have they, a they have with,
0: free run with, they have run in chatters to run in the barn there
2: if they yes they have um a barn and they've also got a like a three-sided shelter but when it got really bad like that they just wanted to be out with their butts
0: into the wind you know, they, they. it's funny how they. some horses will do that and some will, you know, go into the shelter. It, it is funny uh, how that works. Now, do, were they expecting it? Were they calling for this or do you had time for p- to prepare or did well, this come up on they, quickly? they
2: did tell us high winds. What we got this time, I think, that was a little different is it wasn't just like a 90 or 100 mile an hour wind gust. It seemed to be like it was sustained, like it just kept coming. And in fact, we had our entire chimney flew, you know, the joke now is that our flue flew. The whole thing, which is three feet by four feet, came up out of the chimney on one side of the roof, flew over the top of the roof. Um, It was like, you know, the Wizard of Oz. And it landed in the backyard just as I was coming back in from the barn with my dogs, and it managed to land right next to me and then like a three-foot section of pipe of this um, stove pipe that goes down into the chimney also landed right next to the step where I was heading with my dogs Ugh. and it frightened one of you my dogs. You were lucky. So bad. I know we were really lucky, um, but my one dog, got scared. You in half. He, he disappeared. I couldn't find him and he was hiding and he was just traumatized from it. Poor little thing, but we were all okay. Um, that was probably the worst damage we had. Um, all of my other neighbors had damage, though. They had fences down, roof shingles. Um, the other neighbor, her barn, uh, she lost sighting on her barn. I mean, part of the barn just, you know, took off and flew away.
0: So uh, it was tornado-like, wasn't it? It was almost like a yeah, vertical yeah, tornado.
2: <laughs> I know. It was dangerous to be outside. It really was. I know my one friend called and teased me and said he thought he saw my dog
0: fly by. <laughs> did you go count all your dogs then?
2: <laughs> I did. I had to go count them all. <laughs> they were all there. And then on uh, Facebook, a local Facebook page, somebody had posted, sand available. It's in my living room. Come and get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. Because <laughs> you're right at the base of the mountain, right? So, uh So, you know, you'd think you wouldn't get the winds like that, but I guess it comes down off the mountain and just uh, forms these funnels. and just uh, so
2: intense. Yeah, yeah, we'll be fixing all this damage. A lot of trees, 100-year-old trees, were destroyed and um, brought down along with, you know, the power lines were just snapping or being blown over sideways. So yeah, you lost almost, power, did, right, for a couple days? We did for a couple of days, and some people were still getting power. There's people right now that still don't have power, and this is from last Friday.
0: And you you and couldn't do heat either, right? Cause, we couldn't you
2: know. do heat because with the fireplace, um, Flu gone. <laughs> oh,
0: I wasn't fixed yeah.
2: to burn a fire in the wood stove, um, which we can also use to cook if we need to. But we couldn't use that. Luckily, it was a warm storm, so we were okay. And we did, uh, you know, hook up the generator from the horse trailer so we could watch television. It- you know, what else are you going to do?
0: <laughs> There's no power. Yeah, she didn't days. run the refrigerator or the heater or any of that stuff. She hooked up the TV. Priority. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we wanted to see the news, so that's that's the excuse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. And everybody's okay, though. The horses are okay. The doggies are okay. You're We're okay. okay. It's,
2: it's great that you know there weren't any reports of bad injuries. Or, you know people or animals which is surprising um, just property damage mainly
0: which
2: now is a
0: if, uh, i know endurance rider uh, endurance uh, riders are hardy and they usually do uh, endurance rides in almost any weather but if it's if it's like that would they have done an endurance ride well we have <laughs> yeah, I figured. yeah you guys seem to go out in anything torrential rains and monsoons and lightning storms i mean you know there.
2: we've and then rides where you reach like a ridge top or something, and you're just about nearly knocked off of your horse from the wind. It can, um, yeah. We've we've some of us have done that kind of stuff, or it's been a blizzard where it's a whiteout and you can't see where the trail goes. So we've been in some of those extreme situations. We
0: prefer not to. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I do know that they. I, I have seen a couple of endurance rides be canceled because of monsoon rains for a long period of time. The footing just gets too bad. But I guess that's right. about the only reason they would cancel it, right? Is the footing gets uh, to the point where it's dangerous for the horses.
2: Right, and it, and you don't want to destroy the trails either. You know when they get that wet, you know you run a hundred horses over them and it can do damage.
0: Right, right. Well, now you also had something else happen here, and I want to hear about it. You, uh, you were looking at saddle fit. Tell us about what you did there. Right. Some well, people last might not month have one, heard of this.
2: Yeah, one of our guests I had on last month was Donna Strand, who does BioScan. So I had her come out after the show and scan my horses. Um, you know, Bo, I was especially concerned about because last April he had that colic surgery and he dropped some weight through his top line. And so we kind of needed to build that back, but I wanted to make sure his saddle was sitting properly and that he was comfortable. And it was really kind of neat because she came out and scanned him and treated him, uh, um, suggested how we could shim his saddle pad to make it, it more comfortable for him. So we did that, and then we went uh, went for a nice ride, and she came back and scanned him again, and it showed that it was absolutely working perfectly for him.
0: So what, carrying, what again, does the bioscan show exactly? Well, it scans
2: the nerves, basically, so it shows where um, your horse may be sore, or it also shows patterns of showing that the horse is working correctly and carrying themselves properly. So it shows, you know, both good things and bad things. And in the second scan, it showed, you know, that he's lifting himself, carrying himself, moving off the hind end, and that his back is comfortable.
0: And That's so pretty that cool. I now,
2: thought was pretty cool, can yeah. Can I ask
0: you what that runs to uh, in case somebody's thinking about doing it price-wise?
2: Um. Sure, that when she did the scan, including the recheck, that was sixty five dollars and then the the I used this saddle pad that I already had, and she just added the shims to it out of a special material that she uses, and that was one twenty five
0: well, it's not bad i mean for the whole thing, you end up uh, knowing th- th- the the knowledge that it, especially with you guys riding such a distance, the knowledge of knowing that everything's fitting properly is important.
2: Exactly. Very, very important. And, you know, especially when your horse has a, I know and I'm aware and, and we're working. I set up a um, a course for him. Of course, it's all blown over, but I had cavalettis and poles and all sorts of stuff set up where we were working on those and um, doing some backing exercises and stuff like that so we can build the top line and put it back, you know, where it was. <laughs> and right, we're right. already seeing improvement. It's really cool. It's really cool to see that.
0: Well, that's worth the money. Now, I wonder, how do you find somebody that's going to be able to do that in your area? Do you know?
2: You know, probably get a hold of Donna um, and ask her uh, would be my recommendation. And uh, we can, you know, Pull up her uh, her website, or, or post a link to it, or it's on last month's show. Um, but she, she can probably help people um, refer them to somebody.
0: Very good. That sounds like a plan. And uh, when do you get back into full competition here? Well, at the end of the
2: month, there's a ride down in Ridgecrest. I'm planning on going to weekend after next one.
0: So you've been Uh, able to uh, keep working them, or or does that start now? (laughs)
2: They've been getting worked really good. In fact, like a week or two ago, I uh, have a friend doing his first 100 at this ride coming up, and so a couple of us went out with him, and we did a night ride in the dark under the full moon, and it was wonderful. We all had a great time, and um, he helped get a little bit more confident riding in the dark. We did some trotting and cantering. And it was just a
0: blast. Now, do you, now, what, are you doing 100 on this one or are you doing 50?
2: I'm probably going to just do a 50 on each horse. It's a two day ride, plus there's 100 there. Just because I haven't done, um, you know, with Bo, he's done a couple rides since he's had his colic surgery, but I haven't really trailered him very far. I've stuck to the close by rides, and I just feel that maybe it might be asking a little much this soon, you know, to to do a hundred on him. But hopefully later in the season, um, once I'm sure he's handling everything well. But he's doing great so far.
0: Now you said it's two weeks away, so what how will uh-huh. you train them now between now and then? What what kind of riding will you do between now and then?
2: Well right now they're working on their MUD training. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rolling in it?
2: <laughs> Rolling in it. They're really, really good at that. I think Bo is trying to win. If there's a contest for the horse that can get the medias, he's entered right now. <laughs>
0: So, uh, beside rolling, will you actually ride them, or, or are they yes. too dirty it's not even worth cleaning them up?
2: <laughs> well, I do have them covered with the blankets, so uh, hopefully it's just their necks and heads that are dirty. Um, but, yes, we'll get them cleaned up and try to get them ridden. Um, I always like to ride at
0: least a couple of
2: times a week before a ride leading up to a ride.
0: And will you do, usually, how many miles will you do then on those days?
2: Um, it just
4: depends.
2: It can. It depends on, you know, how many competitions the horse has been doing recently, you know, how much time off they've had, what the weather's been like. It is a little more challenging this time of year when we have the weather conditions. Although I have to say the month or so leading up to this last big storm, we had perfect weather, so the horses were getting ridden consistently every single week. And we were doing most days um, when we rode, probably 13 to 15 miles with um, a considerable amount of hill work. And um, uh, and we mixed it up, trotting uh, gradually uphill through some sand or a little cantering here and there. My horses are both so fit, I just really have to maintain their fitness more than anything. Um, but, you know, even if I just get them out for six or seven miles a couple times, that usually is sufficient.
0: Well, now you also have an endurance tip for us this month, and I don't know. I I, I read uh, a little bit about what you were going to talk about, and I think I I totally agree with you. But uh, go ahead and tell everybody.
5: Okay. Well, this is
2: just one of those things you know you see coming up in the social media, um, you know, online, and being an endurance writer as long as I've had as I have, I've seen. Just about every kind of wreck or accident you can, I mean, things you can't even imagine making up, I, I've seen. And and one of those kinds of things I see or have seen quite a bit of are accidents involving bungee ties, which mm-hmm. I guess somebody at some point thought they were a really good idea. But when a horse pulls on a bungee and something breaks, um, then it, it's like a missile you know, flying through the air at high velocity, and whatever it hits, it it can do some serious damage. And so I have an example of a um, another writer who sent me um, a story of what she experienced firsthand, and I just wanted to share that. And I'm just going to read what she wrote. And, and she shared this um, in the hopes that it will keep somebody else from having a similar kind of accident or tragedy. Okay, so is what she wrote, my friend's mare decided to back out i 'm sure she's talking about the trailer after he thought he had unhooked her bungee tie sadly he didn't before he could get his get back up there. she had backed out of the four horse stretching the bungee to the breaking point it snapped hit the horse between the eyes killing her instantly Ugh. when she fell she fell on him crushing him he also died instantly thankfully Whoa. i stood there watching it happen and could do nothing it happened so damn fast snap pow dead so
0: wow wow you know i uh when, I remember and Jennifer does too probably when these first came out they they haven't been around forever they they came out probably mm-hmm. in the 90s i think is when the these first bungees came wow. out and everybody was so excited about them and we never we we refused to sell them at our store because because of this right here uh uh-huh. it's just you know at least when you're using cotton or you know a lead rope with bailer twine on it or some one of those uh fancy you know uh t- uh breakaway tie things. Mm-hmm. when it snaps it's not gonna hurt anybody i mean right. i just never no. understood the bungee thing i really and i know there's people that are listening right now that probably use them but i never right. got it
2: and and i've seen a lot of injuries over the years you know both to humans and to horses but never nothing on that level that was i mean that was really tragic
0: yeah i just but you can see it happening i mean you can just see it happening and those mm-hmm. things will stretch a good distance, so it's basically a slingshot at that point. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, and with just, the weight of the uh, horse. Uh huh. Do you see them using them still on the endurance rides in the trailers and stuff?
2: Um, I think some still do. Most don't because most have learned. Um, you know, not like we used to see when, like you said, when they first came out everybody thought they were great and then we started seeing these kinds of accidents and stuff happen and uh and so most people i think have stopped but i thought i would share this just so that you know maybe somebody listening will say hey you know that's an accident waiting to happen that i can totally avoid
0: yeah yeah definitely i i totally agree and there's just so many alt- the the thing is there's just so many good alternatives now for trailer ties and and even cross ties that mm-hmm. you don't you don't you don't need to go this route they just have a ton of options now uh you know okay. years ago it was just we used basically just to use cottonweed ropes and and uh, and baler twine, you know, that's what mm-hmm. we use for cross ties. And a lot of people still do. We we still do, uh-huh. actually. We still use them. We don't have the fancy ones. Um, and it works. And you know what? What usually breaks first is not the baler twine, it's a snap. Because the snaps are so cheap. Right. They usually break right. first. And,
2: <laughs> right. And that will happen on the bungee ties, too, is one end or the other will break. Right. You know. And uh, is it your but lucky if it's day? The other but, end,
0: that's where, yeah. Exactly. If the other end, that's where you're in trouble. <laughs>
2: Right.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I know. Well, that's good. That is a good tip. I, I appreciate that. And if you're still using them, just throw them away. And, you know, do do an alternative. Just throw them away. They're dangerous. All right, so let's do this. Let's do our product of the month. We had a chance to catch up with uh, Kristen Lacey of the Distance Depot yesterday to talk about her new website and some uh, blanketing options that she has so let's take a listen to that.
2: Well, good morning, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen and Glenn. Great to be here. Well, tell us about your new website update that did, did you yes, just we, recently we done. Yes, do. we We
3: have a, a new interface on our website, so when you come, it has a brand new look, um, which we're very excited about, but it is supposed to be um, completely mobile-friendly and tablet-friendly, so you should be able to shop with ease and and um, we're updating currently updating all of our images to be good, you know, good size and big, so everyone can see exactly what we have to show off. So hopefully, people like it.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, being an old website guy and designer, I really like this. The so one thing that you know, it's very clean. I really like how clean it is, and your navigation on the left to all the categories is really good. Uh, and make you know, one of the Biggest frustrations that I have when I visit a website, and I know everybody has the same thing, is just finding what you want to find quickly, mm-hmm. and that is right, isn't that everybody's biggest uh, problem? Mm-hmm. And uh, so. you've solved that. I mean, it really is, uh, really is nice. And I wanted to test it, so I went on my phone, my Android phone, and I looked up DistanceDepot.com, and they're right; it is absolutely set up for, uh, for the phone. It's very easy yeah. to read, and it's very easy to see the products and works well.
3: Yeah, we have we have a nice section on there too about um you know we we show, we feature down below if you scroll down in the center of the page you'll see um we have we list our new products, we list our clearance products, um and our deal of the day. So the clearance page has great um right now that's always a page to check out, of course. Um right now we're um clearing out some of the winter wear, so we have listed some stuff on sale. Um so Come and check it out. Tell us about some of your horse
2: blanket choices that you offer.
3: All right. Um, We feature the Weather Beta line. Um, As most of your listeners probably know, Weather Beta has been around for ages, and they're a fantastic brand. We feel um, a lot of these blankets have great features for the horse, tail, flaps, and...
0: um, Gussets, uh, and they're all the right places.
3: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and... Belly straps and leg straps, you know, everything. Um, and and we can order any weather be the blanket, but we really stock items, um, you know, mid-weight um, blankets, basically, that will keep most horses cool, waterproof and, and still breathable, you know, because when you put a blanket on your horse oftentimes, and it's always a debate about to blanket or not to blanket, but if you're a blanket person, uh,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
3: um, you want him to be comfortable when he's wearing one, so... Um, you know, from the weather. That's why we're using them anyway. Right. Um, I
2: just we blanket, have, I just blanketed mine because of the high winds to keep right. them protected from all the flying debris. Right. You know, and that's I, why the weather, weather beaters are so nice with the 1680 denier um, nylon because it's so tough and durable.
3: It is tough and durable. And I don't know about your horses, but mine like to pull each other's tail flaps and spin <laughs> each other around and, <laughs> and this, you know, the 1,600 denier is great because it holds up to that sort of abuse. Horses mm-hmm. um, get to rough housing. So And we have some really nice um, light rain sheets, you know, which are perfect at a ride if it's pouring rain and you're trying to tack up in the morning or at a vet check, you know, um, So, and even at home, of course. But uh, they're gr- really great products. We also have a really nice um, fleece dress sheet. Um, polar fleece, so it's really, you know, it will wick moisture and it's breathable and help your horse cool down quicker too, which is nice when they're really hairy this time of year. So we have some really nice um, options there as far as the sheets and blankets go.
2: And tell us about the Equa Cool Down body wraps. Those look interesting.
3: Yes, they are actually um so then from you know from the blankets we also have the cooling products um so in the summer um or in the warmer climates um even this time of year these products uh will cool your horse so they offer uh, an actual sheet that the horse will wear and it works up, up off of evaporation so um once it, your horse is wet and the blanket is wet you know it's going to cool um with the air blowing on it keep mm-hmm. your horse um, keep your horse's temperature cooler so it's really nice that Uh, A ride, if you're, you know, after you've done your vetting, come back in and put that on. They also have a neck wrap that the horse can wear, um, so he can wear that while he's eating hay. And leg wraps, too. Oh, okay. Oh, and a sport towel, I think we have, too, for for the humans. So you can put that around your own neck and keep yourself cool, too. They're really great (laughs) products.
2: And I see you have a a casual, quiet ride bug armor. You actually can ride with that, covering your horse.
3: You can. It's yeah. They call it the bug armor. So it's it's sort of protecting all all areas of the horse: his neck, his rump, his belly. So yeah, they they um, have designed that to keep those pesky bugs off. I don't know about your horse, but we have one that will he will buck if a if a bug gets on his rump and we're not quick enough to get it off.
2: Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, there's been times I what I wouldn't have given to have one of those. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: right. They really are helpful.
2: <laughs> Tackle
3: makes great products. They really.
2: Okay, and I see you've got a selection of a couple different kinds of rump rugs. Tell us about those.
3: We do. Um, the Easy Care rump rug is really nice. It's only available in black, um, so it has a black outer shell. It's actually waterproof, and it's lined um, with polar fleece underneath on the underneath side, and it has a really handy drawstring. Um, it's weighted in each corner at the back of the rump rug near the, you know, at the bottom of by his thigh um, to hold it down, and so if you're out in a riding with it on and it gets warm it warms up you can just draw string it up right from your saddle you don't have to get down Mm -hmm. it's a really handy feature um cashel also has a similar rump rug also black with polar fleece underneath it is not waterproof but it will certainly do the job to keep the hind end warm you know those big muscles we want to keep warm back there Mm -hmm. and then we have a polar fleece just a all polar fleece made by trail right they've been around for years that's a nice big rump rug um, not again, not waterproof, but great for keeping those hind end muscles warm.
2: Right. And and I can think of one tip I can share with the listeners about rump rugs when you are riding and the weather's really inclement or you know it's gonna be raining and you're at a vet check. Um what I've seen people do is ride with two rump rugs, they put one over the horse's rump and the other one they fold back up over the top of their saddle.
3: Oh, that's a great idea.
2: Mhm. So it's uh, um, just another reason to hoard more stuff.
0: That's right. Yeah, you'd, oh, it's always fun thunder. to get back like you guys saddle. need a reason. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> right, and now we can even go on our phones and tablets and shop at the Distance Depot. How cool is that? <laughs>
4: That's right. I
3: hope you do. Please give us feedback. We'd love to know what everybody thinks.
0: Very good. Right. And it's thedistancedepot.com.
2: All right, and we're ready for our first guest, who is Matthew Coates. He is a horse trainer, and I'll tell you a little bit about Matt. He has spent his lifetime around horses. He began starting Colts in the late 1990s to pay his way through college. He spent the last 12 years surrounding himself with some of the top horsemen and horse trainers in the country, including Pat Pirelli, David Ellis, Martin Black, Brian Newbert, and many others. Um, He's uh, been working in uh, Northern California and Nevada, And he is going to talk to us this morning about spooky horses. Um, Welcome, Matt. Good morning.
6: Good morning, Karen.
2: Well, how are you doing today?
6: Doing well. How about yourself?
2: Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, so um, give us um, a little overview of how you view spookier types of horses. Like, uh, how do you identify them?
6: You know, a lot of a lot of it comes to just kind of their 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 individual characteristics of, of how they look at how they look at things that, that that they don't understand. So, you know, you just kind of read the horse, and, and you can kind of get a pretty good feel of, of if a horse is overly sensitive or or you know, just how they pay attention to things that uh, that uh, that are coming at them.
2: And where do you start? You know, if you're going to be working with a horse that you know is has a tendency to spook.
6: Uh, on the ground, if I can I mean that's the safest place to be is if I can keep my feet on the ground um versus being up in the saddle to start with um mm-hmm. a flag is a is a real good uh real good starting spot um if the horse is is uh, you know or, you know kinda of already halt rope and everything like that you know a flag is it's something that 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 is kind of an unpredictable kind of a deal for the horse you know if if uh, you know, it's got irregular movements, and you can get it kind of popping and, and making some noise as well. So that's got a lot of a lot of different stimuli that, that can can bring out whatever kind of spooky tendencies. It, um, whether it's uh, you know above the horse, you know some horses are good with stuff around their feet, some aren't. Some are you know they spook when something gets above their head, behind their tail, under their belly. You know, and you can. Mm-hmm. You know the, the the ones that I like the best uh, are the ones that the guys used to load cattle on the trucks. They're about five feet long. They kind of got a little bit of a, a flex to them, and then they do pop quite a lot, <clears throat> but um, but it doesn't crinkle like plastic bag would. So it's kind of right in the middle of of a plastic bag and and a and just a soft piece of cloth. It doesn't make any noise. So that's kind of right middle ground there mm-hmm. that, that um, works well for me. And it being being five foot long, it can darn sure keep uh, keep me safe. And the horse wants to kick at it or, or strike or something like that. I can I can keep a distance to uh, to, to just say, be able to stay in there and help the horse with it.
2: Okay, so what would you do? Kind of give us a little bit of a description if you're working in a, um, a round pin or an arena with the horse. Um, kind of describe a little bit of that.
6: I'd probably um, most of the time start with um, with it moving away from them, just kind of have them leading up behind me and kind of have that, that flag out in front of me and, and, and sort of cause that horse to, to get curious about it. Cause fear and curiosity, they can't, they can't be, a, be in the same moment with a horse. So if you can exchange that fear and that worry for something that's curious, you know, that horse will reach out and, and start getting curious about it, reach out with his nose and try to touch it and smell it. And, and uh, you know, the whiskers, whiskers on a horse's nose is, is kind of the sensory organs of, of their face. They're kind of like a cat and uh, they reach out and want to touch that and, and start learning about it. Cause it's, uh you know, m- most of the time when horses are, are are truly afraid of something, it's just because they don't understand it. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're not trying to be bad. They're not trying to get get you in trouble. They just don't understand. And so trying to get, get them to understand what's what's going on and, and understand that things are can act irregular and, and kind of flop around them and, and whatever, um, just to get them, get them to start being cur- uh, curious about it. And then you just make them feel good for it. You know, if they start feeling mm-hmm. good, they'll want to to investigate something again and, and put their nose on it. And if you make them feel good for trying, they'll try harder for you when when something unexpected comes up.
2: Mm-hmm. When you work with them like that, are they loose, or do you have a halter and a lead rope on them?
6: Uh, most of the time it'll, you know, be a halter and lead rope because then, then I can kind of help direct where their feet, feet go. I don't ever really want to stop a horse's feet because that is, you know, that's their defense. That's how they feel safe is, is being able to move their feet. And so I don't want to, I don't want to stop them or restrict them, but if I can kind of guide them and drift with them, it sure helps kind of, you know, pay attention because if, if you put too much, too much pressure on them, you know, they stop thinking and they just start, start worrying about self-preservation and, and, and so if you, you can kind of keep their feet guided in the right direction and, and, uh, you can keep them a little bit close to you and, and within reach and, and, and keep them thinking.
2: hmm Now, are there any things that we should not do if we're working with a horse, you know, as far as applying too much pressure or pushing them too hard towards an object that they're afraid of?
6: With a, yeah, yeah, there's, um, with a horse, you, you know, by applying, applying pressure or or causing them to be uncomfortable, horses, you know, they want to be safe and they want to be comfortable. And so, um, by... Putting pressure on them, we cause them to be uncomfortable. If we put too much pressure on them, they'll tip over and 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 they'll just they'll just be completely bothered. And and if we actually go so far as to bother a horse, they stop thinking, and and mother nature kicks in and uh, and they just start looking to to get as far from it as, as they can. So if we can keep them, you know, uncomfortable and not bothered, they'll still be motivated to try to to find the comfortable spot in the pen. And you know, you see that horse's expression change or. And put in a little bit of effort, then you can then you can stop but if if you tip a horse over to being bothered, you might as well just stop let the horse settle down a little bit because and, and, he's not thinking anyway, so it's not like you lost any kind of a battle or you you' lost any ground, you already lost the ground by put too much pressure on him, so just stop, regroup, rub the horse and and start again a little bit softer and and making sure that horse can can, can handle the uh the pressure that you're putting on him or the stimulus, just trying to trying to get him a little bit more desensitized mhm and. Um-
2: at what age can you start working with them to do that
6: about a minute or two old you can <laughs> you can start messing with them right on the ground if you're right there you know um yeah um, there's been you know a lot of stuff uh written and, and uh and discussed about full imprinting um you know a lot of guys will, will go out there right when that foal is born they'll be paying attention and <clears throat> and um you know have a plastic bag around them or you know you let them you know feel that touch or feel that crinkling and whatever and let them see uh see some things kind of happening because you know by about the time a horse is about six weeks old he's he's got things pretty well figured out the only thing he doesn't know is is how to go about it with us he's got life figured out pretty quick you know about six Uh weeks old is when they're out there adventuring away from their mother and so in that in that early learning um area there that that young life there is is they're pretty impressionable and and we can we can make our impression on them right away you know for vetting or or medical or farrier work or you know getting them getting them altered up and, and leading real well and ground driving yeah, you can get him ground drove really young too so there's a lot that can be done right away but it's not you know if, if you miss your mark or you you know you don't get a horse until he's until he's weaned or whatever um it's no big deal there either just just, just figure out where the horse is at and start with uh with whatever's going to uh going to get him to think and and uh and not uh and not react that's kind of the thing is, is having them have the appropriate response um and, and, and instead of a instead of a reaction
0: hey matt um all horses spook at things every once in a while and you, you know we're all used to that you know we all have that uh but then there's this there is the true spooky horse can you ever take the true spooky horse and work the spook out of him totally or are you always going to be on guard with that particular horse
6: well, I think you got to be on guard with every horse. So with every gotta, horse,
0: yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, absolutely,
6: it's just it's every single horse is going to fart you off if uh, if uh, upon proper provocation, you know, even your even your old dog and the plow horse is going to is going to jump at something if you if you get uh, get startled enough. So, um, you know, it's just the diligence as a rider, um, you know, staying up on you know being up on top, pretty big responsibility because they're looking for us uh, for good information, and so, um. You know, being there and paying attention and, and seeing things that are coming up. You know, not just being being asleep at the wheel, really. Um, and in just knowing that knowing the animal that you're on, and you can help them and and be there for them. So if you see something that's coming up, you can get a feel of them, or or you know, start doing whatever it is that's part of your program that that gets your horse listening to you, and just let them know. If they see something, and and we don't, or we don't acknowledge it, or we ignore it. You know, they're looking for guidance. If, if we don't at least acknowledge what they're worried about, they're going to take matters into their own hands because if, if we don't see it, they're going to, they're, they're going to figure we're, we're ignorant to it and, and uh, we're probably both going to die. But if, you know, horses horse something uh something, you know, up on the hill or whatever, you might just reach down and give them a rub and say, yeah, buddy, I, I, I see it too. And why don't, why don't you just step over here instead and give them, give them a good place to go that, that, uh, that they trust in you. And you can, you can avoid a lot of wrecks by, by – just paying attention
2: okay i got cut off for a minute but i'm back now um,
6: okay <laughs>
2: okay so so matt if we're out riding um on our horse and i missed some of what you just said and our horse does a spook um what are some ways to work through that
6: um one is is um is you know, like, kind of like we talked earlier. You know, cause them to be curious of it. If you got if you've got the time to do it, and and, and you're out on a training session, you know, and competition is, is is a you know kind of a different deal. But it, it, you know, have them look at it. You know, have them look at it out of both eyes. You know, kind of kind of go um, back and forth. You know, don't try to spur them right up to it. Because if you start getting getting too anxious or whatever, start putting too much pressure on, then they're scared of the thing and scared of you. And so. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, then they'll start spooking at, at the thing, and then immediately start looking out for the pressure that you're gonna that you're gonna put on, and then it, then you actually exacerbate the problem if you if you go about it with too much too much pressure, like right. I said before, um, getting bothered. So you know, kind of go past it, let them see it in their right eye, then see it in their left eye, and have it pass uh, you know pass between uh, between their eyes. You know, they'll uh, um, you know kind of kind of look at it uh, sideways or whatever whatever it is. And then, as soon as mm-hmm. you know they're not going to bolt and run off of it, or as soon as it's, you know, they're starting to kind of make a little bit of a change, so it's not as bad. Then have them change their eyes by way of of turning away from it and then turning back to it, so they they it disappears a little bit mm-hmm. behind them, and then they pick it back up in that other eye, just so they can kind of kind of process it, kind of learn about it, and then you know have them if, if they take a step towards it and and start getting curious about it, you know, give them a rub, and then you take them away from it, and then. You know it, it kind of is, is you know kind of that reverse psychology deal of well, why can't I go up to it then they wanna start going up to it and you take them away before before they quit and 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 they leave themselves then then they'll then that curiosity will start uh, start coming in a little bit better
2: i I know I've had a couple of horses teach me that lesson really well, <laughs>
6: <laughs> probably all they're good
0: I had a driving stuff absolutely. <laughs> I had a driving pony once that I got from, uh, I, I bought it at an auction. And it ended up coming from the Amish. And they had trained it. It was a very well trained driving pony, but that thing hated cows. Boy, that pony hated cows. And I don't know what kind of trauma that pony had at the Amish farm with the cows, but every time we drive by cows, if the cows came running up to the fence, we were gone.
6: And, you know, Fair.
0: and that, that pony was 25 years old, and I never, ever got him past the fear of cows. Um you know, even even
6: with those cows, you know, you get in. You know, if you get an opportunity to get in behind something, that's scary. Like we talked about earlier on the ground, um, getting you having them having them follow it. If, you know, I, where I ride out here on the desert quite a lot. You know, the the motorcyclists will be out there in ATVs and such, and yeah, they they make that kind of that same approach for the horse, and and they get a little bit worried, and so I'll get I'll, I'll get their feet moving for me, and, and and kind of doing something positive. But as soon as as soon as that motorbike or the car or whatever they were scared of um goes past then I'll, I'll i'll you know spur them up into a trot there a little bit and and have them trot and and follow that and then as soon as they latch onto that that uh that bike or 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 the four-wheeler there i'll stop them and, and give them a big rub and make them feel good like they just chased that thing off and and how good of a <laughs> job they did so it's it's the same way of building confidence in a cow horse um you know the, a lot of times the, the you know. Cutting horses are real scared of cows to start with, because all their instincts come in, and they know they're supposed to do something. But here comes this big cow, and they're they're scared of the cow. Well, heck, he's a cutting horse; he should be should be ready to go. But uh, they've got to learn about it. So if you if you can get them in, and and as soon as a horse knows that they can dictate something, they 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 cause the flag to go away they, by relaxing. They cause the the cow to go away by by chasing after it or following it or whatever. As soon as they start building that confidence that they caused something to happen. They caused us to stop the pressure. They caused the pressure to go away. The scary thing to go away. Pretty soon, they just—you can feel their body posture change and their confidence change. They'll poke just out a little bit, and and they'll—they'll they'll get real proud of themselves. And that—and that's what you're really looking for—is that horse that, that just says, "Bring it on."
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a kind of what kind of th- bizarre things have you run into on the trail, Karen? Because you do—you know—you've done millions of miles here. Uh, what kind of bizarre things that you have run into on the trail that you didn't expect to, them to spook at?
2: Uh, well, to, to spook at, um, you know, a llama that comes up and spits? That's... Oh,
0: yeah, that would freak me out, too. I don't <laughs>
2: That can get your horses, you know, dander up a little bit. Um, I don't know how you practice
0: spitting uh, llamas either. I, mean.
2: <laughs> I know. Well, you just, um, actually, in my neighborhood, I that do you have
0: some trying. llamas in the back that uh, they can bring yeah. their horse over and practice that?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, there's. Um, I've been uh, on some ranches, and, and the place I'm working on right now, they've got pigs, and, and those trotting in and bouncing in, their ears flapping, and they, you know, they got a funny way of moving. It. Uh, And and they're set up right next to the round corral. So I get a fresh horse in, and and I'll kick them in the round corral for an afternoon, let them them look at those pigs for a while, and and let them, you know, kind of learn about them, too.
2: Right, right. Yeah, there's some uh, different, you know, different things. Um, You know, one of the things that I know can really get a horse is like a mountain bike because they're kind of quiet, and they can come up rather quickly. Um, fortunately, all the ones I encounter out here where I ride are—they're always very polite and considerate. So we're—we're we're lucky there. Um, right. Do you have any suggestions for getting a horse used to the bikes?
6: Well, what? Um you know, again, kind of the, the the same stuff. They've got to see it, and and if a horse is scared of something, it's not that it's never going to go away. Um, they just haven't seen it enough times to understand it. And what'll happen is, if you've got a horse that you spend a lot of time with, and 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 you know, he might have been a spook to to start. with and all horses are to start with until they start learning. Well, what what'll happen is, is in your program, in your training program, and how you how you feel to the horse. Um, you know the the old uh, the old adage of well is your horse broke to the trailer as he broke to ride as he broke to lead as he broke to bikes as he broke to water, pretty soon, you know you, you, with just the the communication relationship you've got with your horse, pretty soon something brand new will show up, and mm-hmm. the horse will just check in with you going. It, just like they're going to check in with the lead horse of the bunch, you know, in, in a pasture out out in the desert, you know, out here in Nevada, they're going to check in with the, with the, with whoever is running the show, and hopefully, you know, we're the leader of the bunch. Um, uh-huh. They're going to check in with you and say, "Are you nervous?" And that's you know, he you reach down, give him rub, and say, "Hey, don't worry about it," and let's just right. step over the side of the trail and let him go by, and they'll go, "All right, you're not worried, I'm not worried." So it's eventually when when you've got enough time and, and have got enough horsemanship going on and and, and, a, and interaction with your horse to where they trust you then then the sky's the limit. You know, I've you know, a lot of people's horses are, are scared to cross water, you know, I've been gathering cattle and, and jumped off an embankment of a uh, of an irrigation ditch and I didn't even know how deep it was. The cows were getting away. It was about nine feet deep and, and my oh, horse hello. disappeared under the water and, and the water <laughs> came up to, to just just about my rib cage and the horse comes popping up and swam to the other side but she wasn't scared enough and it was it was just what we had to do. And so you know, it's when they trust in you and they believe that you're not going to lead them into something that that that's going to going to get them killed. Then the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a tiny bit more difficult with driving horses, and uh, but look, it, that's, it, a new, uh, that's a
6: whole yeah. new that's a whole bag of worms right there.
0: Yeah, we have to with, use our voice. Those, that's uh, what the voice commands are all for with the, with the driving horses, and why voice commands are so important with driving
6: horses, right? And yeah. and the one thing that 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 uh, limits your guys' safety with the, with the driving horses is the inability to uh, to to kick that hip around and, and move move the hindquarters. You've got to stay in a straight line, and so yeah. when you get it's into a, when you, you get into a wreck, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah it's it, it's, a, it's a straight line deal, and 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 there's a lot more lot more diligence that comes in um, when you uh, when you have those driving horses to get get them ready so you don't. Uh, so you don't get into a into a wreck or get into a spot where you can't help them and and then you're then you're just on the wild ride till it stops hopefully you make the trip
0: you know yeah I so there's a lot mine. of preparation i had mine bolt on the road here recently and and managed to get him stopped after 100 yards or so but the problem with bolting is we don't get a lot of practice as drivers with it
6: Right. And
0: the next time he tried it i was a I was in better shape. It You know, I was the one that handled it better than the first time. Because, you know, right. you just don't, it's not something you want to practice on a regular basis. So um, when they say with drivers, you're supposed to head toward a wall, you know, some solid object. The problem with that is you've got to trust your horse to stop because if he turns at the last minute, you're going over. I yeah. mean, you're out. But.
6: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the, uh, I would say because eventually, when when a horse takes off, they eventually their perce- their perception of the danger is going to be far enough away. You know, it's it's whatever the horse's flight distance, however far they're going to go before they stop and think. So you know, if, if you've got a horse that that that's you know going to going to bolt on you in, in a cart, you know, plan your plan your trip. You know, like you said, you bolted on on the road. Well. You know, you plan ahead to say, well, is there an intersection? What what kind of a road? You know, can I just kind of guide him left and right, just a little bit, and move him left and right until he starts thinking back to you again. And and by that time, your your you know your voice commands. I mean, the louder you yell, whoa, the more scared they might get. I mean, you got <laughs> to right, keep right. yourself yeah, uh, I, in a I, position to uh, to yeah. keep your wits about you, and then and then uh, and, and then. Just have confidence in yourself. that says, "Well, I can drive as fast as you can run." And when are you going to stop running? You, you, you're exactly right. You got to kind of survive the trip. But being in there, giving him a feel that that's familiar, and pretty soon his brain will come back to you, and and you can kind of get your outfit stopped.
0: Yeah, it's fun.
2: <laughs> um, well, Matt, we we had a fun time talking with you. Can you tell us if someone, somebody's interested in getting in touch with you? How 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 they would go about that?
6: Uh, go on to uh, Facebook and look at Carson Valley Horse Trainer.
2: Okay. Well, thank you.
6: i got my contact information there. You can send me a message there. i got my phone number out there as well.
0: Okay. All right. that's, that's Facebook. Carson Valley Horse Trainer is where you find it. I liked them this morning on there. So check it out. C-A-R-S-O-N. We'll put a link on our Facebook page as well. Thanks, Matt.
6: Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good day.
0: Take care. You too. Well, I thought the wind had got us there. We both got knocked off the air there for a minute, but I think Matt just kept talking. So we were good. He did. Uh, Thank you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt filled in for us. That was good. Well, you know, one of the things that keeps you safe on the trail is making sure that you, you, uh, your horse is good on the footing when that's any kind of footing. And in an endurance riders case, a lot of them go barefoot and use boots like you do. So tell us about Renegade. We
2: do. This is my chance to talk about Renegade boots again. Uh, they are made in the United States. They come in eight different colors, so you can match them, them to your tack.
0: That's
2: important. For a lot of a lot of people, it is the uh, yeah. the be color color matched. Um, they have a really good tread, like you said. I've ridden in all kinds of country and terrain with them. Uh, they're several different sizes. They've got a couple different models, um, and they've got a glue-on version for. you know, if people are doing a longer trip or a a multi-day ride, they may want to glue on the boots rather than um, use the strap-ons every day. Although the strap-ons are great. They go on and off so easy. And uh, they're just a a great um, product, like I said, made in the United States. If you need any help or have any trouble, go to... um, renegadehoofboots.com. There's instructions there on how to measure. Uh, links to videos showing how to fit the boots. They've also got a Facebook page. Just type in Renegade Hoof boots and you can find them that way as well.
0: Do they have studded boots? Boots? You can put studded. They can have studs. Yes, you can order them with studs and And do, can you change out the studs or the boots come with a particular set of studs, and you 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 have to yeah, use those I think or the way
2: they're yeah, I think the way they're installed, you need to you know have a set that just has the studs in them for when um you need to use them. I usually don't ride with studs on my boots um, right. if it's that icy, I usually won't ride or um I'll stay to the side where there's snow and stay off of the ice I know that sounds probably easier said than done for some people um but right i just try to avoid ice altogether because you know a horse and ice don't really go well together no matter what's on their feet you know what i mean right. um so i try to avoid that but um in general you know, once your horse gets comfortable moving and going in the boots they learn how to maneuver through all the different kinds of terrain and footing and, and stuff like that and um but, but, yes, they're uh, uh, good traction on the tread. I've ridden over lots of different kinds of, like, slick rock and boulders, um, pavement especially. They're great for that.
0: Um, very, um, how durable are product. they? Long, do they last a while? Can well,
2: it depends. that depends on the horse, and it depends how fast you're riding. Um, the faster you go, I think the more likely you're going to wear through the tread versus just going, you know, for a casual kind of ride where you're just walking and trotting slowly. But some horses um, are harder on their hoofwear than others. You know, they'll wear through metal shoes. They wear out shoes too, yeah. (laughs) They will, and they'll do that with the boots. Um, My horses usually can get a 1,000 miles out of a set of boots, but at least I'd say 600 Horses, when they're new to using boots and being barefoot, they're, they're still adjusting. They'll usually, I usually tell riders that they'll wear through the, their first set or two of boots faster than they will subsequent sets. Once the horses and even are more 600
0: comfortable. miles, I mean, if you're talking 600 miles for most trail riders in a year, you know, that's a year's worth at least. So It is. Uh, for a lot of yeah. people, it would be. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Cool. And that's Foods dot com is where you can find all the information. Comes uh, highly recommended by Karen, who who six hundred miles is just a couple days ride. So uh, <laughs> let's hear a song. We got Templeton Thompson today. We are all on our way somewhere, and then we're coming back to talk to Patty Stedman about new riders. And we uh, did you come up with some questions that we are going to talk about as far as uh, people who are new to endurance?
2: We do. We have some. Yes. Okay,
0: good. Good. Terrific. Well, then we're going to do that right after our song. Let's hear from Templeton Thompson first. And all endurance riders should like this because the song is We Are All On Our Way Somewhere.
4: We're all on our way somewhere Headed down some different roads. It's easy to get lost out there We don't always find our way Sometimes life ain't fair We're all on our way somewhere We're all doing the best we can Sometimes that's and hard
0: that was Templeton Thompson with We Are All On Our Way Somewhere. You can find all of Templeton Thompson's music at templetonthompson.com or find her on iTunes. You can download all of her songs over there. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. I am Glenn Geek here with Karen Chatton, and we are on Endurance day today. We do this once a month, the second Tuesday of every month and uh, we will be back here tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., like we are every day with uh, Jamie back, and uh, we'll be doing some fun stuff on the show tomorrow morning. And, of course, Friday's Really Bad Ads Day. Get your really bad ads in. Head over to Craigslist, find some really crappily written ads, and we'll have a little fun with them on Friday. It's uh, everybody's favorite segment of the week. We have some great prizes for you. And, of course, it's brought to you by EquityMFG.com. And we are giving away a flex and fork from Equity every month to just pulling a name out of everybody that submits ads. So get on Craigslist. It will only take you about 10 minutes in the farm section to find some really crappy ads involving horses or donkeys or mules or chickens or cows and send them over to us. We uh, we appreciate all of your efforts in that. And uh, we are ready for your next guest, Karen.
2: All right, we have Patty Stedman. She's been riding endurance for more than 10 years and has a couple of thousand miles. She has been a ride manager and has chaired the AERC Ride Managers Committee and has served on the AERC Education Committee. We're going to have her tell us about some of the endurance clinics, how to find a mentor, and answer some questions from some new riders. Welcome to the show, Patty.
5: Good morning, Karen. How are you?
2: I'm good. And I should mention Patty has been on before, and uh, we're happy to have her back.
5: Well, I am pleased to be back, and nothing really is more exciting for me to talk about than bringing new members into our sport. I think it's one of the most exciting things going on in endurance riding today.
2: Well, tell us about the Endurance 101 and 201 clinics.
5: Well, you know, it's interesting. I was on the ARC Board of Directors, and at the time I had somebody come to my house and trim my horses, and she said she thought she knew of a few people who might be interested in starting the sport, and would I be willing to tell them a little bit about it? And so that's where the ball started rolling for me. I started gathering information. I started putting together a PowerPoint presentation, because I teach for a living, and uh, started gathering resources, and I put a note out on Facebook wonderful Facebook, and suddenly I had 25 people from the area sitting in my living room and heading out to my barn to do vet checks on our horses and learn as much as we possibly could in a single day about the sport of endurance. So that's an Endurance 101 clinic. It's just an unmounted clinic where hopefully we have a couple of horses where we can demonstrate vet checks, but it's a full day and we're actually just scratching the surface about learning about the sport. Uh, When we do the 201 clinics, what changes there is that we actually have you bring your horse to a venue, learn the basics about the sport, but then actually get your horse vetted, ride a loop on a measured and marked trail and learn how to follow a trail like that, keep a certain pace, and then come back and get vetted again. So it's a much more hands on experience.
2: And if someone wants to learn where they can find a clinic near them, where would they go?
5: So there's a couple places to get started. So one is if you just simply go to the AERC website and you go to the education tab, there's actually a tab that's dedicated to endurance clinics. And right now there's a very healthy list of uh, Endurance 101, uh, 201, and Beyond the Basics clinics being held all over the country. Uh, And if you don't see one in your area, what I encourage people to do is a couple things. One is to get involved with the Green Green Beans program and the Green Beans effort, and the other is to contact your AERC regional directors by looking them up on the AERC website and then just send them off an email saying, hey, listen, you know, I'd like to learn more about the sport. Can we get a, a clinic going in my neighborhood?
2: Okay, and that's org for people that don't know.
5: Absolutely, org, And there is a ton of information on the AERC website. I always tell people if it's a rainy, cold, nasty, snowy, stormy day, just get online and just surf around <laughs> the AERC website. What you can learn there is amazing.
0: Yes, there is hey, Karen a lot of stuff Karen give us a call back your uh your sound is uh going on out on us again, and i'll I'll chat with Patty okay. here for a second <laughs> okay. uh we've We've been having problems all morning, I think part of it's because Karen's been having really bad weather, and her uh internet lines are not great, so uh I think that's part of the problem well, patty how important is it when you're getting started in the sport of endurance for somebody to get help to go to one of the clinics and to find that mentor? Is it more important than some of the other disciplines because of the nature of the sport?
5: Oh, you know, that's an excellent question. i got to tell you, I think one of the things that if you ask around to, you know, what I call the, the crusty old folks, the old timers, the cranky people, most of us <laughs> just learned by going to the first ride and making as many mistakes as humanly possible, mostly at the expense of our horse. And it's a terrible way to get started in the sport, although some of us wear that as a badge of courage, a badge of honor. We survived by doing everything You've got a merit wrong.
0: badge in but survival. Yeah.
5: Absolutely, yeah. There's a whole there's a whole Girl Scout uh, badge program for it. But what I tell people is we've almost swung the other way in the sport. We're trying so hard to recruit new, new folks and give them so much information that I think in some cases – For new endurance riders, it can almost be overwhelming. They have so many resources and so much information, and they're told to get a mentor, and how do you find the right mentor? And where I tell people to start is that, first of all, you have to know yourself fairly well, and you have to have a little bit of an idea what your goals are and what kind of a horse you have. And what I tell people is when you're looking for a mentor, your best bet is to find somebody who sort of looks like you and has a life like you and a horse like you and wants to do the same thing that you are doing. So, for example, you know, I joke around that if you want to learn how to do 100-mile rides in the middle of the pack and keep a horse for a really, really long time, I'm the kind of mentor you might want to go for. Same thing with Karen. She's got decade team horses and thousands and thousands of miles. Karen and I are probably not the person you want to go to if your goal is to become an international endurance competitor riding fast rides and winning them, you know, routinely. Um, If you ride an Appaloosa or a Grass Cross, you want to seek out somebody who has a horse that's similar to your horse because every horse has unique challenges. So I think that's the first part. There's also something that happens, too, when people get started in the sport. I say that there's two groups of people. One is the people who are really, really competitive and want to race, and we're trying to get them to slow down and take things slowly and make haste slowly. And then there are the people at the other end of the scale who need to be encouraged to move along a little bit or to ride more often or to push the envelope just a little bit. And so matching personalities with your mentor is equally as important as somebody whose goals and aspirations match your own.
0: Are you back, Karen?
5: Yes, I'm back.
0: Okay, good. I didn't know if we had you back or not. Uh, so uh, go ahead, Karen. You had some uh, listener questions, too, you wanted to get to.
2: Um, well, yes, we did. We have a couple of uh, questions I thought uh, Patty and I could answer. Um, let's start with the first one. Is At what age can a young horse be started in the sport of
5: endurance? You want to take that one or you want me to give it a whirl first?
2: Oh, you go, Patty.
5: So one of the good things is I think a lot of times people are starting the sport with a horse that they already have who is – eight or ten or twelve years old and has already had another job and then i tell them just go ahead and get started and start conditioning your horse but if you have a three or a four or a five-year-old horse i think you have a lot more um, responsibility for stewardship for that young horse and my advice to people with young horses is to focus on their training you know what's going on between their ears and that little soup can sized brain rather than physically conditioning them. Because one of the things we know about studies with horses and the closing of growth plates is that it, it takes a long time for a horse to mature, and the bones that mature the last on a horse are those in the spine, which I don't know about you, Karen, but that's where I sit, is on the back of a horse. How about you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> most days, for most of the rides. Most of the time. So try. there's With a young horse. With the young horse, there's a lot of responsibility for taking it slowly and focusing on that long, slow distance work we talk about.
2: Right, right. And technically, horses need to be four year, years old to do an, a limited distance ride. They need to be five to do a 50, and they need to be six to do 100.
5: And that's correct. So those are the AERC rules, although I have to admit that when I am mentoring people, I usually suggest they add a year to all of those Mm -hmm. just to be on the safe side. But I tend to be a pretty conservative person. So if I'm mentoring you, you're going to get a pretty conservative point of view. Uh, And the reason for that, I think one of the things that uh, makes me nervous when people start conditioning young horses is that we have to be aware of how horses, horses are tremendous athletes. And the way they gain conditioning first is through their cardiovascular system. So their heart becomes very fit very quickly. And so if people are relying only on uh, how a horse's cardiovascular or heart rate recoveries are going, they miss some other things. Muscles, Mm -hmm. a horse can start to improve its cardiovascular conditioning within weeks, but it takes months and even years for muscles to develop properly, and it definitely takes years for tendons and ligaments to harden. So while you can get a horse, a four-year-old even, cardiovascularly fit within a few months, um, he's not yet ready to do a ride with regard to his muscle strength and with regard to his hardening of his tendons and ligaments. Would you agree with that, Karen? Or
2: yes, and in fact, I think my horses that have started in the sport as um, you know, 6 or 7 or even 8-year-olds, I I think they've benefited from that. Um, you know, personally, I wouldn't want to start a 4-year-old, you know, even doing limited distance rides. Right? I think that's too young. But I'm like you. I'm a little more conservative as well.
5: Well, you know, you and I are on the same page. And I think one of the things that happens, so I've done lots and lots of clinics, and most of the time what I get, the, the people who I have coming to my, my clinics are ladies who have horses who they love dearly and they don't want to do anything to hurt their horse. Like they want to keep that horse for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. what I tell them is one of the best resources you can look at is something that you actually started, Karen, and that was the Decade Team uh, interviews. So if these are mm-hmm. people who have competed with their horse for over a decade doing 50-plus mile rides. And those are the riders to look to with regard to how to keep a horse.
0: Hmm. Oh, oh, boy! It's been some morning. We just lost a guest now. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, uh She'll probably be back here very shortly. Maybe Jennifer can try and get her back on the line. Boy, it's been a morning technology-wise that has not cooperated, has it?
2: I know. I'm just happy my power is still on.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, of course, I just was read, reading the weather before, too, in, in in Boston. Oh, my God, Massachusetts has been clobbered. They got another foot of snow yesterday. Uh, schools are, trains are stopped. Schools are done. You know, it's, uh, they haven't been to school in forever. And they're supposed to get more today and more at the end of the week. So uh, some places have 60 to 80 inches on the ground. Just incredible oh amount of no, up there, yeah. So there's not much endurance riding going on in New England right now, that's for sure. Uh, but back. Tattie,
5: I'm back. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> what brilliant thing was I saying when I got hung up on? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were you were mentioning the
2: decade teams and uh, using those riders as um, you know mentors or, or people to learn from.
5: Absolutely. And and those interviews, there's another great thing, you know, we have snow here right now and that's the kind of thing I like to do when I have time is to just sit on the internet, scroll through those decade team interviews, and just look and see what the commonalities are, you know, between those riders who kept those horses going for a very long time. And starting them late is a pretty common theme.
2: Isn't it great to see the increase in the number of decade teams each year?
5: I think it is fantastic, and I've got to tell you, when I talk to riders getting into the sport, that is the most frequent goal that riders have as they're getting into the sport is they say, oh, I have this very special five- or six-year-old horse, but my goal is decade team, and they start planning their riding and their competition based on that ultimate goal, and it's a fabulous goal. It's probably one of the things I'm most proud of, of all the things we've done with our horses.
2: Isn't that great? I know that's when I first started in the sport. Um, it was a lot different then. We didn't really have the goals for longevity.
5: It is absolutely fantastic, and I think it is the kind of thing that we should all wear. It's, it's just a, it's a, it really is a tremendous goal. And certainly there are awards for going fast and best condition and mileage and so many other amazing things. Awards for young children and husbands and wives and families. But I think decade eighteen has a very special place in the ERC.
2: Right, because it allows you to focus on a long-term goal and put that ahead of whatever um, is happening on every, you know, individual wide. It, it gives you something to focus on so you don't get caught up. or Absolutely.
5: Uh, I tell yeah. people about when you're at a at a ride and you're in the moment of competition, and you've probably experienced this too, Karen, because I know I have. I don't tend to be a speed demon, but every once in a while I'm at a ride and there's that little devil on my shoulder saying to me, <laughs> Oh, he feels so good. Why don't I just why don't I just let him go? I bet I could pass those riders and then I've got the little good angel on my other shoulder saying to me, Yeah, but you know, you've got a hundred coming up next month and you know, this was supposed to be a conservative ride, and you were going to ride this at 7 to 8 miles an hour, and you need to stick with your plan, and I'll tell you, that Mm -hmm. little angel keeps me out of a lot of trouble.
2: I know, because it's so easy, isn't it, to to get caught up and just let your horse go? That's the easy way.
5: It absolutely is, And, and I do tell, and I think, you know, for the new riders, that I tell them they, that we, they tend to, or my experience is, they tend to worry so much about the conditioning of their horse. How fast do I need to be going? What speed do I need to be keeping? And what I tell them is if they just focus on the training, okay, how does my horse do following the group? How does my horse do being in front? How does my horse do being past? How about opening a gate? How about standing patiently while I put a boot back on or go to the bathroom? When you focus on all of those things, the conditioning comes. The conditioning usually sort of takes care of itself while you focus on the training. And you know, people talk about having difficulty with their horse pacing or being followed or getting race brain. One of the best things you can do is to go out with your friends and play the leapfrog game. You probably play the leapfrog game, right, Karen? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And it's just where you have a horse that prefers to be in the front. And so you leave him in the back of the group for as long as his little brain can take it, and then you let him pass the other horses safely to be in the front. And then you just take turns leapfrogging so that every horse has a little time in the front, in the middle, in the back, and they get accustomed to being passed. Because one of the things that is going to happen when you go to your first endurance ride, (laughs) you are going to get passed and you're probably going to pass somebody as well. So it's just part of being safe. And the horses, once they understand the game, they do much, much better.
2: Right. And it's good to separate them, you know, split off a little bit so they learn they can leave the group and then come back without having a mental meltdown.
5: I, I have one who has separation anxiety, and every once in a while we have to remind him that if he doesn't see his buddy for a mile or 15 minutes, he is not going to die because he <laughs> thinks he's going to die. But well, you teach him just by, you know, doing it from time to time and him seeing that he doesn't die, that he won't die. And that's, it's that training thing. We're constantly focusing on the horse's training. Okay,
2: well, let's do one more question real quick. Um, how to rate a horse that goes too fast on a ride
5: okay well you know i think this is <laughs> i have one like that i think a part I, of this I think is, we all do <laughs> exactly I, you know the joke is that somebody has to be the brains behind the operation and we always hope it's the rider and not the horse <laughs> so i think i think that uh it it is fair to a horse to only be competed at the pace that he's conditioning. And if you are conditioning in groups, um, playing leapfrog games where you are in control of the pace that the horse is going, very often, even though you have a horse that's got more power, more adrenaline going during a ride, usually those are things that last for a relatively short period of time and then your horse gets his brain back. Um, I'm a big advocate for waiting to start a ride so in other words if you can let a ride manager know that you'd really like to wait 10 or 15 minutes after the start of the ride and then head out at a walk that that can be mm-hmm. really valuable for a young horse in fact all of my young horses they didn't even know they were at a ride at their first ride um, they they just they never ca- got caught up in the adrenaline you mm-hmm. just always have to remember horses are prey animals and when a, a herd of horses goes trotting or cantering out of camp your horse thinks that if he's the last one to get out of camp he's the one who's going to get eaten by the mountain lion and so we've helped Uh you you got to kind of wait for that rubber band to be broken from the rest of the herd and then start Uh your horse if you can because then they no longer feel like they've got to keep up with the herd to avoid being eaten for them it's a life and death thing they think they're going to die
2: right right
5: And I've started many rides
2: um, walking on foot, actually. I mean, you can't do that on every ride, obviously. But on, you know, especially some of the multi-days, you'll see many riders heading out on foot, you know, for the first 10 or 15 minutes just to get their horse warmed up. And by then, you know, everybody's gotten out of sight, hopefully. And then it's, uh, you know, of course, your horse needs to be trained to stand so you can actually get on at that point.
5: (laughs) It (laughs) It makes it much easier. Yeah, and I think that the I think the multi-day rides, and if you ask around, I think that's a really great sort of Facebook questions for for people in your region. Is what what are certain rides like, and what are the starts like? There's one ride in my region, although it's a, you know it's a simple ride with regard to the footing. It's got good footing, and it's not terribly challenging terrain-wise. It's so wide open that the horses can see the other horses coming and going for a long, long wave, Mm -hmm. And, and the horses are jazzed up at that ride, and so I tell riders, well... You know, if you've got a horse that's pretty competitive, it might not be the best first choice for a ride. So there are exactly. different rides and, and different levels of energy at different rides. And the experienced riders can give you a sense of, of, of which of those rides are. The multi-day rides are fabulous for that low-key, easy-going atmosphere. Absolutely true.
2: Exactly. Good. Great tip. Well, Patty, we're just about up, out of time Um Had a lot of fun talking with you this morning, though. It was great.
5: It was wonderful to talk to you, too, and thank you so much for having me. I'm going to go trudge my horses through the snow.
2: (laughs) Oh, look at you. I just have mud. I will trade you any day.
5: (laughs) It's terrific sand conditioning. You be well, and thank you so so much for having us. And everybody remember, AERC.org, and we hope to see you on the trail soon.
2: Thanks, Patty. Have a good day. Thanks. Goodbye. there glenn
0: yes i'm here before you go uh before we end the day here i want i wanted to ask you about something you said you were using a new app the other day what was that Um, all about
2: yes i've only been using it for maybe three weeks now it's called indo mondo and they have it for both phones the android and the iphone and and it's kind of a a neat thing i joined they have an aerc challenge uh, that you can join and it uh once you write in it you turn it on and it'll upload your um, your writing up into the app so it tracks everything you've done you can change the privacy settings so it, uh, anything you don't want to share publicly you don't have to you can keep like the maps of where you're writing private or who you share the information with, but it's great because it shows how far you've gone. It shows, you know, your average, um, your fastest speed and stuff like that. Um, I used it from one weekend to the next on all my rides and it uh, recorded, I did just over 59 miles.
0: So it must be used, and you don't have to use it, it's not just for riding, right? It's for runners or bikers or whatever. Right, you can use it for anything, yes. And it's it's uh must use your GPS to track your speed and all that stuff.
2: It does and it doesn't I've been really lucky. Um I turn off my mobile data and my Wi Fi, um, so but I have the GPS on. So after, you know, say riding for three hours, I come back and I still have, you know, seventy or seventy five percent battery. I was
0: gonna ask so you if it killed the battery. I guess if you had all three on at the time it would probably kill it, but you gotta remember to turn the other two off.
2: Exactly. You just have to be careful that you're not, um, you know, that your phone isn't using a bunch of other apps that you don't need. Um, But just for using the GPS part of it, it seems to hold the battery really well on my Android. Um, But it's kind of a a neat thing to see because I didn't realize, um, you know, that I was actually riding that many miles in a week or over the course of two weekends. Hmm. Very cool. So
0: it really does work, huh?
2: It it does. It works really well, and it's free. Uh, at least well, it you know,
0: you, you told everybody to, uh, to keep track, to do a diary, and keep track that sort of does it for you of your mileage. It and does.
2: It, it yeah. is, you know, and, and a lot of the writers use heart monitors and stuff. that Nowadays, they record everything like that as well. They have the GPSs integrated in with them, and you can put all that into your um, – you know, a lot of them are Garmin's and you can get a Garmin account online and it does the same thing. And it kind of puts it in into spreadsheet formula for you. And I've done that for, you know, for a few years I've gotten now where I, I don't use a heart monitor anymore. Um, I kind of felt that it was distracting me and, and causing me to pay attention to the gadget more than to the horse. Um, but I have ridden with heart monitors and the GPS integrated heart monitors for Um, you know, years and years. And, and, you know, at some point once, you know, you're so used to the technology, it's really not helping you anymore. But for new riders, I mean, it's awesome. Like the question we just had about um, how to rate a horse um, using a a GPS or even your phone with with that app is, is great because you can see how fast you're going and see what your average speed is, you know, what the fastest speed was that you did, and it tells you an awful lot, so you can use that, you know, as a base to build from as you go, as you're working your horse. It's, um, so the technology is great. It's real helpful for endurance riders. It tells us a lot of things, um, you know, that we didn't really know before, or it just at least enforces, um, reinforces what we think we know, whether we're right or not.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, and I just signed, I actually just went on the website. It's E N D O M O N D O. How'd you say it?
1: <laughs> Endomondo.
0: Endomondo. Um, <laughs> I can't say it. Uh, anyway, uh, I just went on there, and you do have to change your privacy settings. Like I signed on through Facebook, and oh, yeah. you do have to ch- change your privacy settings because everything is pretty much set to public. So you'll want to do that if you don't want everybody watching what you're doing. Uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, very good. Well, that's uh, it, it terrific. It also
2: shows it also shows your elevation. That was the other thing. So you know how much. Well, yeah, for you helpful. guys,
0: that's important. Yeah,
2: it is. It is because you want to do a little bit of everything. You know, when you're training and conditioning, like like Patty said, you need to. If you go to a competition, you need to ride like you've been training.
0: Well, one of the nice things on here too is you can make it social in that you can, like you requested me here just uh, two seconds ago, and we became friends on here. So if you're if you're partners in endurance riding or any kind of riding, uh, you can actually see what the other person's doing and maybe push them a little bit, and you know you can have that person there nagging you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We all need a little a nagging, don't we, Karen? Uh huh. <laughs> I thought that's why we got married, but uh, that's a different kind <laughs> of nagging. That's that's completely different. And, of course, that doesn't happen in my household. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen here. Just qualify. <laughs> I've met other people, Karen. Well, uh-huh. we are. <laughs> what a good show. Thank you so much for putting that together. It's always fun doing the endurance episode with you here. If you missed the past episodes that we've done, you can just go to HorsesInTheMorning.com and search for Karen Chat or put in the word endurance. And it'll bring up all the past episodes that we've done. You can go back and listen to them all. There's lots of good information, and most of it that we talk about on this episode is not time-sensitive. It applies uh, yesterday, today, or next year. So you can go back and listen to all those past episodes if you missed them. And, of course, we have our app. You can listen to our shows, all eight of our shows on the Horse Radio Network on the Horse Radio Network app. Just go to the iOS or Android app store and search for Horse Radio Network. It's free, it's easy, and it's simple to download. Uh, you can do that at the same time you do your endom that other app that Karen just Endomando. talked
2: Endomondo.
0: Endomondo. Okay, got it. Endomondo. And that's about it for today. Karen, we'll see you again next month. Don't blow off the hill. Uh, We really don't want to see you blowing into Ocala unless you're on an airplane, okay?
2: That Sounds good to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, do it the right way. And we apologize for the technical difficulties today. I don't know what was going on, but uh, obviously technology was not our friend. But uh, we got through it, and we did most of the show. And thanks to our guests, they filled in for the rest. They did. They were wonderful. wonderful. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thanks, Karen. (laughs) Have a good uh, ride, everybody. Wear your helmets and be safe.